your Bibles, we're going to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, verse, uh, to verse 27, two portions of uh, scriptures here tonight. And this sermon is a little bit different to what I've been preaching. I'm going to give a first point and then four reasons why and uh, end up with some illustrations and testimonies tonight. And so it's a bit different layout for you tonight, so don't be thrown off by that. I've been spending a lot of time with your pastor. And I've met him in the past when he was assistant in, in uh, Beachborough. I got to spend time. I did my testimony there. And, and, uh, but it's just been wonderful to share and be, uh, been spending time with him, fellowship, morning prayer, lunch, and dinners together last few nights. And I've got to know a side of Pastor Plummer that I did not know, but I can visibly see is his masculinity. Very masculine man in, in his approach to life, ministry, marriage, and all that's involved. Not only is it masculine, but it's a biblical masculinity. And I really do appreciate that. And a bit of that is rubbing off onto me. Hallelujah. And all the hunting stories and just the way he raises his children or the way he presents himself in marriage. And I appreciate that. And wonderful to see men's ministry in the church and, and uh, morning prayer this Saturday here uh, with the men gathered together and whatnot. And I want to begin tonight by giving you a story. When I was 12 years old, I grew up with... Uh, an uncle of mine who was very dear to my life. His name was Hien, H-I-E-N, my dad's brother, younger brother. And he taught me a lot of life. This was before I got into trouble. I was in year six. I was school captain. I was doing well in my schooling. And I saw him a few times a week for a certain seasons of my life. He lived at our house. And I loved my uncle. I loved him dearly. I loved the way that he showed me life. He cared. He gave me money when I didn't have money. In Chinese New Year would come over and he would give me red envelopes. And if you're Chinese or Asian or Vietnamese, you understand there's money in that. And growing up poor, listen, $5 is big money for me. And he would put $20 in there, $50. Man, I was at the corner store playing Street Fighter, eating frogs all week. I loved my uncle Hien. When I was 12 years old, he tragically lost his life. He was sick. He had some sort of disease, but I did not know what it was. They kept it from our family, especially from me. They knew it would break my heart. I was young, naive, 12 years old. Went to his funeral, we buried him. And throughout his life, he had a best friend by the name of David, an Australian man. And uh, prior to the burial, my father and this man David were arguing about who would write uh, the information on his headstone. I didn't know about this. And the unveiling at the burial, they took off the, the cover of the burial and on the headstone to everybody's shock. It read to my lover... I cherish the days and the years that I spent with you from your lover, David. My uncle had been living a, a homosexual life for years and he ultimately died from AIDS. 
I didn't know this till years down the road that I could understand what that was all about. And it rocked my world years down the road. I have five men in our church that are leaders. The five disciples that I would say leaders in our church. Every one of them have grown up without a father, single parent home, raised up by their mother. Tonight, I'm a man who's married to a woman for 10 years. I'm not a woman, but I love a woman. I have three little women running around my house, precious girls, nine, three and a half, and one and a half beautiful babies. And so women, I love you tonight. Women have such a critical role to play in life. At a job site recently, I drove and I, sometimes I work as... I drive trucks and I unloaded my truck at a job site and there was a lady on the job site and to be honest with you, I didn't know she was a lady. She had a hard hat on, she's got short hair and, and she began to talk in, in, a, in a voice I didn't understand and I realized that maybe she's, you know, she's not the, a feminine in a sense and, and I begin to smile and smirk but then that turned into a, a sorrow and ultimately got me thinking about uh, uh, femininity, how women are not as feminine as they used to be or as the Bible explains they should be. It got me thinking about this issue here. You know, ladies, your identity as a woman is defined by divine design. And our culture is confused. Clearly, there is a perversion. Who you are as a woman, a female, a lady, and in our setting, a woman of God, biblical femininity, you are made female. That's no accident. I want to read our text and go through this issue tonight and believe God to help us here in the building. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. The word of God says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Father, we are so grateful for your wonderful grace. And all that you've done this week in these sets of meetings, I pray speak to us tonight, bring clarity and direction. Lord, I pray God, minister God, anoint this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. And so tonight I'm preaching something different. I'm preaching about biblical femininity tonight. And I want to consider firstly with you about made a woman of God. Genesis 5 verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Matthew 19, 4, and Jesus said, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, Mark 10, 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Biblically, theologically, biologically, you are a woman if you are made a woman by God. It's not by chance. It's not by time. It's not over a long period of time that you evolve to this. God has two genders that's right from the beginning, not 51 genders as our society believes. 
Just as our society has hijacked masculinity, listen ladies, its goal is to hijack biblical femininity also. Gender is defined permanently at conception and is revealed at birth. When my first daughter was born, Hadassah Rose, that's her name, nine years ago, uh, my wife and I didn't want to go and have the scans to check what sex she's going to be. We wanted our first child to be a, a surprise to us. And uh, I'm, I'm in the delivery room. My wife is there, and, and uh, the first birth took a little while. And I'm there with a piece of paper and a pen, and I'm writing boys' names. I'm certain it's going to be a boy. Carter J. Newen, man, that looks good. Uh, uh, Dante J. Newen, this is awesome. Writer, uh, and Amos, yeah, this is going to look great. And I'm typing it on my phone in bold writing. I'm writing in calligraphy, see how that looks. And, and just like me, with them, and my wife's there, ah, and I'm there, I'm drawing it there. And, and, I'm in, and I'm in the room there. And listen, my hands have never been squeezed as hard as it was as it was in the delivery room. She's squeezing my hand, honey, can you rub my back? I'm rubbing it, and I'm there, I'm like, doctor, can you give me a bit of a rub back here too, man? I'm getting a bit sore here, and we're there, and Hadassah, she, she comes out, and the, the, the midwife picks up the baby and says, yes, congratulations, and I'm saying, yes, Carter J. Newen, hallelujah. She goes, congratulations, sir. You have a beautiful girl. What? <laughs> What's that long thing sticking out of the stomach? That's an umbilical cord, sir. She's a girl. Oh, man. For a second there, I was shocked. And, and I thought it was a joke. And I wasn't sure. But they were like, we're celebrating. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you for that. Ladies. God has made you different to a man. Men were made from dirt. Ladies, you were made from the man's rib. And there is an agenda trying to undermine God and his word in this area. To bring confusion. Numbers of years ago, Michael Jackson made popular this term called a, a dragony. Adras is male, Gainai is woman. In other words, male and female in one unisex. Men who look and act like women and women who look and act like men. Listen, that's not God's design tonight. Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman shall not wear man's clothing, a man shall not wear woman's clothing. It is an abomination to Yahweh your God, blurring the distinction between male and female is an extreme offense to a holy God. God did not make a mistake when he created you as a woman. The creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds the world in his hands, made no mistake when he made you. Genesis 2.22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. The word made in the Hebrew is the word bana, which means custom built, specially made, on purpose, fashioned, custom built. And being married to a woman for 10 years, looking in the eyes of my beautiful wife, holding her hands, embracing her with a hug, heart to heart. Listen, I know my wife is made different from who I am. 
And thank God for that, ladies. You are custom built different from men. Ladies, not only you're made by God, but you were purchased by God. You were purchased by the infinitely powerful, redeeming blood of the Lamb. Two ways to define value in life who made you and what it costs to purchase you, or how much someone is willing to pay for your life. And I declare to you tonight, born again woman of God, in the eyes of the God in which created you, you are priceless. You are made in his image with a purpose, for a purpose, fashioned and formed and made beautiful in the eyes of God. God made distinctions, heaven and earth, land and sea, and in our text, male and female, and he said it is good. And so four characteristics of a godly woman tonight. Number one is that she is a helper. Genesis 2 verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him, the word helper in the Hebrew is the word azair, azair. That means a perfect fit, perfect match, fits right, comparable to him. Nothing else will work. Listen, church, a man and a man don't fit right. Can you say amen? A woman and a woman is not right. A woman was made from man. A woman was made for man. A man named woman. She's a helper and Isaiah to the man. And my wife has been the greatest helper and asset, not only to my marriage, my fatherhood, my ministry. And if you know my beautiful wife, she's very intellectual. She had got high grades. She was, is a registered nurse. Listen, she, man, she studies the Bible. She can exegesis a text. She can hermeneutically, homologically break down a text just like me and probably present it even better than me. But she understands this and she uses it in a way that blesses my life. She doesn't try and overthrow, but rather she is a blessing and Isaiah, a helper to my life. Wives, do you know what God has called your husband to do in this life? If not, why not? Wives, are you supporting your husband and being a helper to him so that you can both fulfill your God-given destinies? Wives, your main priority tonight is your husband before any ministry before any job, before any career, mothers, your main priority is your children. Before any ministry, any job, any career, I have friends that are outside of our fellowship that are Christians. And after lockdown, I know three married couples, once on fire for Jesus. But stand here today, two years on after lockdown, they are divorced. Their lives are in absolute ruins. If you looked on the outside of them two years ago, they had ministry, they had expression, they gave themselves to career and job, but little did they know behind closed doors, their relationship, their marriage was falling apart. Spouse neglected, children backsliding, unsaved, no appetite for God. Isn't that ironic? 
doing a work for God, yet your home is in absolute mayhem. Doing a work for God out there whilst your marriage and family life comes to ruins at home. In the book of Psalms, David says, I lift my eyes unto the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That same word, help there, Azair, that God says, women, you wife, you are the Azair to your husband or the man. And David says, God, that some Azair, you are that help to me. Second characteristic of a biblical woman of femininity is submission. Genesis 3.16, God speaks to the woman after the sin and the fall. And the Bible says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And if you turn in your next page to Genesis 4-7, it's the same meaning, the word desire, as it is when sin is crouching at the door of Cain. And the Bible says, Genesis 4-7, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, after the fall, the curse of that, the Bible says is that a woman is going to have a desire for a husband. And this desire here is not a, oh, I love you. I want to help you. That same desire is, I want to dominate you. I want to overthrow your authority. I want to just like Cain's sin was lying at the door. And it's not to pat him. It's not to be nice. Sin lies that its desire is for Cain to jump over, dominate, and take over. God says that is part of the curse. She wanted to take charge, take the lead so much so that God says you can keep doing that, but it still does not change the role of authority in the home. He is still ruler over you. And when a wife takes over the authority one of two things happen. Number one is that she pushes him to anger and wrath. And then it becomes physical, ungodly, and unhealthy. I've seen this with my very own eyes. I've seen and I've counseled people where there's fighting, domestic violence in the home. Because listen, there is a usurping of authority within the marriage. Or secondly, she pushes him to a point where the opposite happens. He becomes passive and apathetic in life. Not only that, but with the things of God. According to God's plan, a husband will lead. Either he will be a good leader or he'll be a bad leader, but either way, the biblical plan is that he is going to be a leader. And submission in a marriage is not domination on the part of the husband, but rather the Bible says it requires a wife to submit to a husband as the head of the home. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husband. This is an act of your will. This is a decision to be made as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. This is not something that's forced onto a woman. This is not something that the husband needs to slam the table. Woman, you better listen to me, throwing objects around the house. God calls a wife into submission. It takes humility and a trust in God and his word and creation. Single men, if you're looking for a potential wife, 
You want someone who's able to submit. I'm not talking to submit to you, single man. Because listen, she doesn't have to submit to you. But I'm talking about a submission. And if she's not submitted in who she is, listen, run as far as you can. Don't collect the $200. Don't pass go. Listen, don't get the get out of jail free. Actually, get that. Maybe you need it one day. Hallelujah. <laughs> who can she show submission to? Single men, if you're looking for a lady, look at her submission and the only context in the Bible says that single ladies need to be submitted, number one, is to her earthly father. You want to see if a girl is a good catch and a godly woman? Look at her relationship with her father. Her father who provides for her. Her father who works his back off for food on the table. Her father who protects her and covers her and loves her with the love of her father. And if she cannot submit to that, what makes you, Romeo, think she's going to submit to you? In a relationship that works disorganized, not according to God's will in the order of submission. Listen, what are you going to do, men? You're going to wrestle your wife for authority when decisions need to be made? That's not God's plan. God's plan is that the wife would submit under the authority of a husband as he loves her and gives her his life just as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. The third uh, um, characteristic of a godly woman is she is sensitive to spiritual things. 1 Peter 3, 7 speaks about the woman being a, a weaker vessel and how the man needs to dwell with her with understanding. As the weaker vessel, the enemy will send assaults to the wife, a woman that the man, listen, listen, many times us men, if we're not careful, we go about doing our things. Adam was a hard worker. God told him, you tend the land, you tend the field. This is your job. And he's out there, he's working hard, so he should be men. We should be workers, we should be laborers in the field, we should be hard workers. But as we do that, listen, don't forget your wife who's at home, who's spiritually open, who's a weaker vessel. You need to be the priest, the protector, and the prophet of your home. She needs your covering. She needs to be covered by the word of God. She needs you to be the one that leads with a dominion, with a posture, with a masculinity that would stand no matter what happens. Not an apathy in your life, but a dominion. Ladies, listen, your best weapon tonight for your husband or for the man of God is this. You can pray and there's something powerful when a woman of God lays hold of God and prays for a husband and family. One of the greatest joys in the Maryland's congregation, where I'm from, it's pretty rough and tough. A lot of different nationalities. Our congregation itself has up to 18 different nationalities in the size of our church. And I, I've been saved there for almost 12 years, so that's the, the life of the church. I've seen many, many wonderful ladies come in and many not-so-wonderful ladies. But the wonderful thing is to see them come in 
They're, they're strong, man. They could take me on in a fight any day. They're rough and tough. They've seen some things in life, and, and I don't blame them. They're living in a world that's so confused. They don't know the left from their right. It's, it's just the world is pushing an agenda. So they come in messed up, jacked up in the kingdom. And they, they don't know what it is to be a woman. They don't know what it is to be a feminine woman. And then they come in and what the glorious thing to see over the months and the years as they will surround and understand godly principles like this, that God begins to transform their lives. I know ladies in our congregation, you look at before photo and after, you cannot even recognize them. Transformation. Powerful as they would yield themselves to biblical principle. And fourthly, a characteristic of a godly woman is that she is reverent. Titus 2.3, that they may be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers, discreet. In other words, they don't want the limelight. They don't want the spotlight. They don't want to be loud and obnoxious, quarrelsome and argumentative. And this has to do with your speech, your dress, your manner. Ladies, tonight, you are not one of the oibays. Anybody know what oibays is? Boys. You're not one of the boys tonight, lady. Godly ladies, uh, listen, do not get into little groups, gossip, uh, and talk about church, uh, little gossip, and all the things that's going on. Uh, listen, I, 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 work, uh, I went into a job site not long ago, and, you know, there's some traffic control people, and a lot of them are ladies. And I drove in, and, uh, hi, yes, can I get through that job site? I'm looking for Rob. Yep, I'm going to drop off some material here. And the language... The language from these traffic control lady, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm having to go in next time with, with, with block, like headphones to the, the, the dull the noise out. Yep, yep, over there, yep, yep, just let me through, hallelujah. Ladies, your words are so powerful. I remember there was a girl in our church. When I got saved, one of the five that were in the congregation, I got saved and I was still smoking. I was struggling with, with smoking. And it was in meet and greet. This was probably three weeks I was saved. And Wednesday night, I'm shaking hands. I'm excited. Five of us shaking. And she smells the cigarette on me. And she goes, Johnny, are you still smoking? Very sweet girl. I said, yes, I am. Is that illegal? And she says, you know what? The same God that, that helped you overcome ice and the gang life, he can also help you overcome this too. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm t to me, that was revelation. To me, that was deep. The next day, I'm in the truck uh, as an offsider. I begin to roll up my, my ox cigarette rollies there. And I'm smelling like there's a roller. And I remember her voice. Johnny, the same God that set you free from ice can set you free from cigarette sauce. I'm like, wow. Put it back in. I say, hey, bro, you want these? Gave it to the truck driver. He's like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But it was the words of this sweet girl. Somebody in the church. Peter says that a quiet and a gentle spirit of a biblical woman. I don't recommend you do this, but you turn 104.1, 96.1 on. 
and the songs that blast from the airways, portraying women as nothing less than meat, no authority, free, do whatever they want to do, rebellious spirit, attitude, foul mouth, cursing behavior. Listen, there was a pop-up that come on my YouTube that got my attention of an evangelical feminist. And she makes this comment, the reason why rape is so high and women are being underpaid and the church is, is falling apart is because that they have taken the authority and usurped the authority away from the women and she began to rant on about women's equality. I believe, according to the Bible and according to what we're seeing around the world, there is no other religion, there is no other culture, there is no other tradition, but in the kingdom of God, that women are respected, women are loved, women are valued, women are seen with dignity. You'll never see that anywhere else than in the biblical born-again Christian church that preaches the Bible in a born-again marriage where the husband is the head of the home who loves his wife you don't see that anywhere else but in the kingdom of God you don't see that anywhere else but in the kingdom of the God in which we serve my beautiful wife she holds back I love it I know when she does we're in talking and we're talking, she, she holds back and I see it and I'm like baby hallelujah thank you Jesus in other words, there's times that she can butt her head in and say things, but she goes, you know what? You're the authority. You take the responsibility. You make the decisions. And she's showing me the respect and the reverend that the Bible says in Titus. I close with a couple of these testimonies here for you. I got saved. Dysfunctional family. Mother left my father. My own mindset, I mentioned Saturday night of family was I wanted 10 different kids, and 10 different women in 10 different parts of the world. This was my revelation of family. And when I stepped into the Potter's House Christian Church in Maryland, the first person that I saw was the pastor's wife. This building was the size of this stage. Their nursery was in a common hallway, two by five meters. She's sitting on the floor playing with her son at that time in the nursery. And it, 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 it was a, a dirty place. The carpets were messy. But she was there in the nursery there, ministering there to her son in the nursery. An Aza heir to her husband. They went through, you know, a, a, a opposition. They didn't see a, a disciple for eight months. They were setback. They were failure in their ministry. There have been things going on in their lives. But I walked in. Never did I see a godly woman, biblical example in my life. But the first person God let me see is a woman, a godly woman, married to a husband, an Aza-era helper, sitting on the ground, ministering in the nursery. Wow, is this what it is to be a loving woman? Is this what it is to be a godly wife? A second pastor's wife, Jane Woods, quiet spirit, gentle spirit, wonderful help to her husband. Most of you 
may not realize, but she suffered a rare disease while she was in Maryland's there, and they did not know whether she would survive. Uh, uh, her blood would, would be so thin and, and touch anything. She would be bruised, and she would be uh, easily bleeding, bruises all over her body. Uh, and it was a season where we didn't think she was going to make it out alive. And I remember going there to visit her in the hospital. Listen, this was a rough time for our church. And we couldn't visit her because we couldn't go. But just in case anybody would touch her and, and she'll get hurt and, and bleed and literally bleed out. But I remember looking through the door of the hospital. And she's there. And I had flowers there. And I waved it like this in the flowers. And she's, I'm you, she's bruised all over her arms. They couldn't find out the actual what was wrong with her. Listen, many doctors come. We're not sure she's going to make it. But there in that hospital room, she had the biggest smile, the biggest glean in her eyes. That I came and I visited her because she realized I am an Azar heir to my husband. Listen, I don't need the limelight. I'm going to live for God. And what I do in private, God reveals in public. So much so that, listen, God helped me to see what it was to be a biblical, feminine godly woman of God and finally my beautiful wife I've mentioned her many times I don't usually mention her this much in our sermons greatest asset to my life number one support in my life in my fatherhood in my ministry what husbands need what children's need what families need and what our churches need are godly women living out biblical femininity. Before we close, I want the wives to stand to their feet, please. Wives, you stand. Don't be shy. Nursery workers, I want nursery workers to stand. Ladies, nursery workers. And now I want the rest of the other ladies to stand to your feet. Other ladies, praise God. Wow. About half the congregation, about half the church. Now the reason why I preach this is we hear it all the time. Our churches are based on masculine leadership. Praise God, your pastor is a masculine man. But you know what? God hasn't forgotten about you, ladies. There's a role. There's a function. There's a biblical uh, outline for you to live a successful and honorable, a dignified life before God, your husband, and the church. Don't you ever lose that. You are absolute precious in the eyes of the God we serve. And if I can speak on behalf of the husbands, you are an absolute asset to his life, his ministry, and his manhood. Ladies tonight, listen, rarely do it, but, but I honor you and I thank you for your ministry, your love, and everything you contribute to this congregation here. And I pray that God will bless you Mothers, God will give you children handfuls on purpose. Single ladies, God will give you a godly man that would lead you, that would be a biblical man 
that will lead you into destiny as you would submit under his headship and authority. And I believe, look around. Men, I want you to look around at these ladies. Look at them. Wives, and husbands, if your wife's standing, look at her. <laughs> 50%. If you would just take some of the things I spoke tonight and apply it to your life if you're not already, you'll be amazed at what God will do in your life. You'll be absolutely amazed at the fruit that will stem from your life and the joy and the victory because you're obedient to God. What we need is biblical women living biblical femininity. Amen? Amen. I want us to give God praise here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful God. Hallelujah. Rama Santa Amen. You can sit down. I want every head bowed, every eye closed tonight as we.